Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 21. Let the will of the Lord be done. This is one of the greatest expressions of faith that we can make and one of the most challenging at the same time. And a lot of times what gets in our way when we're trying to surrender to the will of God is emotion and our own view of things. Uh, Sometimes we say things like this, how could this be God's will? Uh, Sometimes the American Christian conclusion that it can't be God's will is if it's a little bumpy or a little difficult, I can't be in the center of God's will. But when you watch the Bible, the characters of the Bible, think about Abraham. Go to a land that I will show you. Just start going. Think about Moses. You're going to go back and free the people. Think about Gideon. Pare down your army to 300. You have too many people because I want to make sure I get the glory. Go through the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah Look at Jeremiah. Look at Joshua. All these men and women of God who were called had difficult challenges. As a matter of fact, you would have to say that God really brought them to the end where there were no other options except to see the power of God on display. The little kids uh, yesterday, the kids praise, and they're not all little, but they did a play over the weekend called Jonah's Druthers. And what they did is they acted out the story of Jonah in a Western uh, theme. So Jonah uh, is pushed out of a stagecoach instead of out of a ship. He falls into a well instead of being swallowed up by a whale. But the, the story is the same. And, and the idea is if Jonah had his druthers, he would have never preached to the people of Nineveh. There would have never been a revival and the very last book, uh, uh, very, very last verse of the book of Jonah says that shouldn't God have compassion, I'm paraphrasing, because there are 120,000 in that great city who don't know their right hand from their left hand. And many Bible commentators have said that that phrase, not knowing right from left hand, is a reference to the children in the city. And it was kind of interesting for me to think about the kids were acting out this play, and Jonah didn't want to go to preach to Nineveh because the Ninevites, the capital of Assyria, they were wicked people. They were terrible in war. They, they did unspeakable things to people. And Jonah said, I don't want to preach to those people. Think of the group, and this is sometimes hard to admit, that you would least want to see have a revival in that country or in that people group. That's how Jonah felt about Nineveh. I don't want those people to be saved. And at the end of the book, Jonah says to the Lord, I knew, I told you this was going to happen. You're so merciful. I knew you were going to forgive those people. That's why I tried to go the other way. And I just want to say some, one thing about God's will. I think you've probably all discovered it. If you decide to fight God's will, you can either go to Nineveh on a ship or in the belly of a fish. But either way, He's going to get his will done. Now, there are some things that admittedly, though, in Scripture, and this is part of 
what we might call a study of theology is that there are things that God wills but don't necessarily occur. In other words, here's a verse. God is not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. Now, not everybody comes. And you say, well, why is that? Because we have a will as well. And there are certain things that God determines beforehand and they're going to happen. There's no getting around it. There's other things that God wills. This is what he'd like to have happen. But he will not strip you of your free will. In Acts 26, 19, Paul says to Agrippa, when he had gotten the marching orders from Jesus to move people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, to give them an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ, he says, King Agrippa, therefore I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And frankly, what separates most people through the ages is those who want to know God's will and do it. And I want to say right up front, that if you really want to know God's will, you will. And if you really want to do God's will, you will do it. Now, it will be a process oftentimes. And for you note takers, I want to give you just some several, several bullet points off the top. Number one, you always look for the will of God and the word of God. So make sure, first of all, you search what you already know God has said. That's difficult enough, is it not? It's hard to to be true to what we already know God has said. So let's start right there and let's make sure we're doing that. The second thing is prayer. Obviously, we want to hear from the Lord and sometimes that's not the easiest process, but we seek God's face and his direction through prayer as well. Number three is good godly counsel. If you want to know a direction that you should go, then ask other people that you know are walking with the Lord. Don't ask other people who are watching Oprah to get their direction. Okay? Because what you want to do is you want to find good godly counselors, plural, to give you input as to what you should do. And then number four for you note takers, sometimes knowing the will of God means waiting. And as Tom Petty sang it so famously... The waiting is the hardest part. How do these guys ever get famous? Because that's how he sings. I don't know how he made all that money singing that way. But anyway, that was my best shot. (laughs) Some people say, no, that's Bob Dylan. Anyway. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us a little bit about the will of God. And on Wednesdays, we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And Solomon writes Ecclesiastes when he's old. He wrote three wisdom books. They're all in a row in your Bible. Proverbs, then you have Ecclesiastes, and then you have the Song of Solomon. He wrote the Song of Solomon when he was young, Proverbs when he was about middle-aged, and he wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. And in that book, he calls himself the preacher, speaking to the ecclesia, the called-out assembly. And what he says to them is, life is vanity if you only live it Big phrase in the book, under the sun. If you are disconnected from God, or you don't want to know God, or you have no intention of following him, then your life will ultimately be empty and futile and a big old mystery. But Solomon does say in the book, and this is the good news of the book, if you are able to look above the sun, 
where the creator of the sun, moon, and the stars dwells, if you are able to look with eyes that transcend just the temporal and the horizontal, you will see something that a lot of people traversing this world don't see. That God has a big plan, you're part of it, and he wants you to follow his will. Now for Paul, following God's will for his life, uh, Jesus said to Ananias, when Ananias was wondering about this selection of Saul of Tarsus, Jesus said to Ananias, I will show him how much he must suffer for me. Paul knew right out of the gate that his life was going to be filled with suffering. And then he said in Acts 20, the Holy Spirit's been testifying to me in every city that bonds and afflictions await me. This is what the Spirit's been showing me. But bound in spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me there. Paul says, but none of these things are going to move me off course. In other words, Paul would say, let the will of the Lord be done. That is a great expression of faith. It's one of those expressions of faith that Jesus taught us to pray. When the disciples watched Jesus' prayer life, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, in my life, I hope you're going to make that prayer personal. One thing you'll find about the Lord's Prayer, he didn't need forgiveness, but every other aspect of the Lord's Prayer, he lived that prayer. Jesus didn't just pray for God's will to be done. He walked in God's will. I'll say to you, being as transparent as I can from this piece of wood before you, that the will of God is not always easy. Because there's a lot of emotion involved and there's a lot of things that we deal with when we're trying to weigh something of direction. When we don't have clear direction in the scripture, it's a situation that we have before us. It's, it's a person maybe going to the right or to the left and we're like, maybe it's us. Maybe you're right in the middle of it right now. Maybe you're praying through it. But I think there's some other principles I want to give you. And before we get into the text, here's what it is. This is just very simple, but I think it'll resonate with you. Ask yourself when you're wrestling with God's will, what's my motivation? Is my motivation God's kingdom, the vertical or the horizontal? Is my motivation God's honor or my honor? Is my motivation God's will or my will? Have I muddied the waters here and made this more complicated because I really want to see a direction happen that's actually not in keeping with what God has already showed me? And so we look for a third confirmation and a fourth confirmation and a fifth confirmation. And sometimes God says to us, and you know, sometimes I think we we wonder if when we ask again, if God goes, oh, Here they come again. I already showed you what to do. You want the blanket wet on top this time? All right. But God is so gracious. He'll confirm it for us over and over and over again. Sometimes, have you heard about the guy that his doctor told him that he used to get donuts out of his diet? And he said, okay, Lord, I'm driving by the donut store, and if you want me to have a donut today, let there be a parking spot open right in front of the donut shop. And he goes, and there was, after 45 minutes of driving around, (laughs) parking spot opened up. 
And there was my cream puff, <laughs> custom made from heaven on high. <laughs> yeah, right. Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, was asked about God's will, and he said, if you're walking with the Lord, I'm paraphrasing, and you're so close to him, do whatever you want. Because people who are walking with the Lord, I think, in closeness, don't have to really, you don't have to overanalyze what God's will is for the situation. If you're walking with him, it's going to be the natural overflow of your life. There will be some situations that are more complex than others, but this is what we're, where we're heading. And for those of you who are interested in that psalm, it's Psalm 37, verses 3 through 8. Delight yourself in the Lord. Um, cultivate faithfulness. Do all those things, and the will of the Lord will be done. All right, so we're in Acts 21. We have just seen now Paul with a tearful departure from the Ephesian elders. Um, He had charged them in verses 28 through 31 to guard the flock back in Acts 20 just by way of review. He warned them that savage wolves were coming in. He told them to take care of the church. He was leaving. Skip down to verse uh, 37, Acts 20. They began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him. They were all kneeling down in prayer in verse 36. They were grieving, 38 Acts 20, especially over the word which he had spoken, that they should see his face no more. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Acts 21.1 gives us picturesque language. It says, when it came about that we had parted from them, the we includes Luke, our author, And at set sail, we ran a straight course to Cos. This is a small little island. And the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. Now one thing that uh, I just want to point out is in the NIV, this is a a good rendering of verse 1. It says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Cos. Literally, we had to tear ourselves away. Many of you remember that Paul passed Ephesus. He decided not to stop there because he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And he decided not to stop in Ephesus. And I think Acts 21.1 tells us a little bit why. Because there were so tight relationships. Have you ever stayed with somebody for a while and there's such sweet fellowship that you almost have to tear yourself away. It's almost like they're holding on and you have to say, I have to go. Think of a person maybe going off to, a, to fight in the military and it's a last hug and you know that that person's in danger. Uh, tearing themselves away is the image here. And Paul, you know, he's just spoken to the elders of the church and they loved each other so much that there, there was a hard parting here. And especially because they, they were told, You're not, we're not going to see each other anymore. I mean, how long would you want to embrace somebody knowing that this was the last opportunity to see their face and have interaction? There was, there was no communication devices that, at that point where you could watch somebody on a video or have a a verbal conversation. This was it. This was the home stretch. And so Paul says, or Luke uh, writing says, the next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. They're moving down the Mediterranean and they're moving uh, southward, pretty much due south. And having found a ship uh, crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. There are many who believe that at this point Paul switched from a small vessel to a larger vessel, the one that would carry him to Rome, 
seated 276 passengers. This is an ancient ship. And so Paul switches to a larger vessel. He's going to risk sailing in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. You had to have favorable west winds to do this, and apparently they did. A little riskier voyage. Instead of hugging the coastline in a small vessel, they went in a larger vessel. All this cargo, all these people were on board. And when we had come into sight of Cyprus, a small island there off the coast, leaving it on the left or the south, we kept sailing to Syria. Now they're just above Israel and Syria and landed at Tyre, one of the port cities there and all over the Old Testament. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. So now they're, they're on a layover and it's going to turn out to be a seven-day layover. Probably the same ship is unloading cargo and loading new cargo passengers as well. And so they have a layover. And here's just one quick question. I know layovers are a bummer when you're traveling. A lot of you guys fly in airplanes a lot. And when you're on long extended layovers, it can be a a bummer of a time. But I want you to see what Paul did on layovers. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days. You see, they went and looked for Christians on the layover. And I think that's a cool thing to do. Uh, Scott Curry and I one time got on our motorcycles. We visited a home that Scott grew up in, and we got to visit a church. I think, were you a member of that church, Scott? And we were able to stop in several places and and just get to pray with Christians and encourage them. We were in a different city, you know, far from home. But we got to stop by and got to ask the leaders of a church, hey, what's going on in your ministry? We pastor in this city over here, or we lead in the city over here. How can we pray for you? What's going on with you guys? And I'll tell you what, it was such a rich time of fellowship. And so they found some disciples, they found some Christians. And, uh, you know, it's not hard to find, to find Christians. Just ask the Lord to show you who are believers at your work and in your neighborhood. They're all over the place. Sometimes it's true they are secret agent Christians. They're hiding. But if you let them know, oh, you're one, then maybe they'll get a little bit more bold to admit that they're one too. Now this church there in Phoenicia, uh, up in Syria, was actually not planted by Paul. Go to Acts 11. But it was a result of Paul's life. I want you to see something ironic. Acts 11:19, And this must have been an interesting time of fellowship. It says, So then those who were scattered, Acts 11:19, because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen. Who was at the heart of that persecution? Paul, when he was Saul. He was the one standing there when they killed Stephen. And a persecution started and all these people started to disperse because of the persecution, Acts eleven nineteen. So many made their way, notice, to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. In a weird, ironic way, Paul was responsible for the Christians in Phoenicia that he just met, and he may have never met them up until this point. And they were there because of a persecution that he started years before that. Can you imagine that conversation? You know, we're here, but I'll tell you what, even though in your former life you kind of drove us here, Paul, we're so grateful. Let, let me tell you what God's done in this city because of this. And so they had a week of fellowship, Acts 21. It's so neat sometimes to look back with friends that you knew in a former life, in your BC days, 
and then see what God's done in both of your lives as a result of him coming into your life. It's a neat time to reflect. And so here's what happens now. He's with these, this, these disciples, a week of fellowship, wonderful time. And notice they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. They said, Paul, we've, we've grown to love you. And the Spirit, apparently through some prophetic uh, gifts or a word of knowledge, was saying, Paul's going to suffer in Jerusalem. I don't think, and I'll show you why in a moment, that the Spirit was showing them that Paul shouldn't go, because that would be a contradiction of what Paul already had been shown by the Spirit. But I think their conclusion was, don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to suffer there. And oftentimes, when suffering is involved, we often say, well, how can the will of God be involved? Uh, Pastor Saeed Abedini wrote a recent letter from a hospital bed. You guys know that he's the Iranian pastor from Idaho who has been in prison for over a year. They've beat him. They've given him no medical attention. And finally now he's ended up in a hospital. He's getting some medical treatment. He wrote a letter uh, in Holy Week encouraging Christians across the world. I'll summarize his letter. He said, it's Good Friday. We're coming to Resurrection Sunday. And he said, I want to say something to the church from my hospital bed. I see a lot of weak faith out there is basically what he said. And he said, you guys need to know, we all need to know something. We can't experience the life of the resurrection without suffering and taking up our cross. Now here's a guy that's been in prison unjustly for well over a year. How many nights do you think he wondered about God's will? How many times do you think he longed to be with his wife and little kids? finally getting medical treatment and then writing a letter to the church and saying to us, you know what, we can't experience the resurrection life of Jesus without experiencing his death as well. And frankly, that's hard because that's not really what we're looking for. You know, we're not all looking to necessarily die to self so we can experience the resurrection life of Jesus. But here's what these people said. They kept telling Paul, please don't go. Please don't go. Don't set foot in Jerusalem. Now, it had to be hard enough for Paul to kind of settle that that was God's will for him, but then to have other people that he loved telling him, don't go. Don't set one foot there. Now, did these people mean well? Of course. Richard Longenecker comments, he says, and others point this out, that through the Spirit means that the Spirit told them that Paul would undergo sufferings for Christ a message that naturally gave the believers deep concern. Luke apparently condensed it. The Spirit did not tell them to inform Paul he was not to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit predicted persecution against the apostle, and the people's love for Paul made them beg him not to go. Close quote. A word to some of us who are struggling with the will of God, which I think can be complicated. And a word to some of you who struggle with enabling other people. Sometimes what happens is we have a loved one that's been going south in their life. And we know that they're doing everything the wrong way. And we know that a pattern has developed in their life. They come to us for quick fixes, money, food, temporary shelter, and then they run back right out to their sin. In other words, they don't have any intention of changing. They just use us 
for what they can get out of us so that they can get revved back up to go sin some more. And we come in on our white stallion, here I am to save the day. And we ride in with great intentions. We're very emotional. We love them. So we want to take, oh, I'm glad. Let me take care of you. Okay, everything's okay. And then they go back and they do it again. And in some ways, we can inhibit them finally deciding to look up to God because we're getting in the way. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. As we move into Acts chapter 21, we see the Apostle Paul get a prophecy from a prophet named Agabus. And uh, this, this prophet came down from Judea. We don't have a whole lot about Agabus, but he came down, he took Paul's belt, he bound his own waist, uh, bound his own uh, feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When that prophecy came forth, uh, Luke says, we began to beg Paul not to go to Jerusalem. We said, don't go, Paul. And Paul, you know, responded, are you trying to break my heart? You know, this is, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm called to do. He says, I'm not only ready to be bound, but I'm even ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do with a man like that? He would not be persuaded because he had a call in his life and he wanted to finish that call. And, you know, I don't know what you would do if you had a warning like this come your way, a prophecy like this spoken of you, over you. You know, oftentimes when we want to get a word, we, we don't want to get a word like, uh, you know, chains and bonds await you. <laughs> we, we'd like a positive word of encouragement. But this was reality. This is what Paul, what, what was awaiting him. And he would not be dissuaded. He, he wanted to finish the race that Christ had called him to. And when by comparison we start thinking about our own lives and maybe some of the challenges that we've had lately, maybe some of the hurdles that we faced, maybe some of the difficulties, you know, compare what you're facing to Paul. I'm not, I'm not downplaying what you may be facing in ministry or otherwise, but I'm just saying, man, take a look at this man. He would not back down. He would not stop. He would not be persuaded. Even though everybody around him that was looking out, quote-unquote, for his best interest was trying to dissuade him, he wouldn't be persuaded. And so then they all said, let the will of the Lord be done. What a beautiful example of how we pray. And, you know, we might be thinking things should go a certain way, but then we ultimately say, the will of the Lord be done. That was Paul's heart. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9 and 11.15 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you.